been a lot of journeys. It's been good from the no block of blessings to the light of infinite. Which face? Which of yeah. your many Facebook yeah. accounts you're actually all, really all dormant? From? All dormant, man. <laughs> I'm sitting. I'm sitting. Nice, the dormant David. Um. So. Nice. So, are we? Are we starting? Is this conversation happening or what? Yeah, yeah we have begun. <laughs> People are starting to jump in. And then it also, I'll be downloading it and then it, okay. I'll edit it and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So this is called Elevate Every Day. And the idea is I'll have different guests, you know, from all different sorts of backgrounds, spiritual people, teachers, musicians, artists, all, all, all sorts of different things. And basically it's, it's really to just jump in and hear how they navigate the ups and downs of life, different spiritual teachings, maybe that resonate that they sort of whether it's like taking them through the day or just things that have maybe changed their life, opened up new ways of seeing things and, um, you know, just general routine and perspectives on life, that sort of thing. And I know you have tons of that. I mean, I always tell people like, you don't understand, like David Sachs can speak for two minutes and it will blow your mind. <laughs> like it could be like one sentence and you're like, okay. I'm, I can't go through life the same way now. Well, you know something I want to <laughs> I want to do is something that blows my mind every moment, and you you reminded me of it a little bit ago. So I, this is my first Instagram live kind of thing, and uh, I'm just totally backwards with these things. So anyway, I I, I thought that I was yes. on and I wasn't, and I was trying to persuade Eris that in fact I was on and I wasn't. And finally, he asked me, slightly exasperated, what makes you think you're alive? And it just made me think, like, someone asking someone, oh, what makes you think you're alive, you know? So it, this story is about Gil Locks. He wrote this book. I actually happened to have it on my desk. It's called The Spice of Torah Gamatria. It's an amazing book to your library if you don't have it. Basically, oh, wow. what this does is, I'm just opening up at a random pages, it'll go number by number. And it'll tell you every word in the five books of Moses, like the, the Chumash, or a.k.a. the Torah, that has that number. In other words, so if you say the number 17, you can just, it goes number by number, this book. So you just turn to the number 17, and there's every, wow. every word of the number 17 in the five books. And of course, if it has the same number, it has the same sort of spiritual DNA. So anyway, this person is now sort of, better known as Gershon Locks, and he's kind of, he was a guru before he became like a, a Torah person, and he wrote this book called The Guru of Central Park, or Guru of, from the Guru of Central Park to the Old City of Jerusalem, something like that, that's the, that's the title. An amazing book, an amazing spiritual journey, and in it, he says that he went to India, and he was meditating for, and I'm going to make up this number, but it's some like crazy number, like 14, 17 hours a day, something like that. And he was doing that for like a while. And he, you know, got like to this place. Yeah. Um, this is before he sort of like, uh, you know, kind of like re reclaimed his own Judaism and, and made great progress with that. But anyway, so, so he was in full on guru mode in India. So here's the story. That's the background. Here's the story. So he was going someplace and he sees this like Anglo woman and, you know, she's journeyed to India for whatever reason. And she seems distraught and she kind of comes up to him 
you know, looking for answers. And he, he needs to get someplace, so he can't spend time with her. So he says the following. He says, listen, I see you're really upset, but I can't spend time with you right now. But I'm going to tell you the source of all of your problems right now. <laughs> so it's sort of like, okay, you just met her. You just met her. He says, you have managed to convince yourself that you actually exist. <laughs> and then he walked away. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> sort of like, oh, my God. I mean, you, you did that before. Right, with exactly. You, uh, with going live. <laughs> you convinced yourself. Wow. That's like the yeah. ultimate yeah. B tool, you know? Yes. And uh, that ties into Fumix. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and by the way, one of the great things about into. Judaism is is that it really does straddle, you know, all these opposites because it's sort of like the Torah is the most expansive and inclusive kind of ideology. It's really amazing. Like, like just to give you an example of that, one that I like, it's just kind of like just one small example, is that it says in the, the Psalms of King David, right, the Tehillim, King David says, um, my mouth it should, you know, is full of praise or should be full of praise, something like that. Or my mouth is full of praise, you know, which is a very poetic kind of idea, you know, all good. But they learn something from that. The rabbis learn something from that, which is that if you have something in your mouth, like if you're chewing gum or you're like, you've just taken a bite of a hamburger, that that's not a time to start praying or to like praise. In, in other words, your mouth should be full of praise as opposed to, you know, bubblegum when you're davening, when you're praying. So, so the point that I'm making here is that Torah, just how expansive Torah is, how one line can be very cosmic and poetic. My mouth is full of praise. And at the same time that we learn something so super practical that if you have food in your mouth, that's not the time to be like, you know, you know, the most respectful mode of davening. Yeah, so, so, nice. so anyway, if everything is, is encompassing, you know, the full spectrum of ideas at, at one moment, so, so let's just go with that. Do I exist or do I not exist? And so there's a story in this book called Holy Brother, which I highly recommend. I think it's out of print, but it's awesome, by Yitta Halberstam. Holy Brother by Yitta Halberstam. Highly, highly recommended. There's a story in the book about Reb Shlomo Karlbach that there was this kid in the backseat of a car and he's driving with his father or his father's driving. And the kid says, is this world real or am I in a dream? That's, that's what this young kid asks his father, right? And his father's like, that's such a good question. You know, let's ask Reb Shlomo. And Reb Shlomo gives the most awesome answer. He says, this world is real in God's dream. So again, and it's right. not, we're not playing games here. It's like, ultimately, like you said, Bittle, ultimately, we strive in our own way to disappear within the oneness of God. But that doesn't remove the actual responsibility that we have for our actions on each other, where we have to take real responsibility, because this, real is, this world is utterly real, and at the same time, we can also disappear but not as a way of escaping responsibility, just as a way of expanding our understanding of this multidimensional phenomena that we're participating in. Nice. 
Well, it's interesting that you mentioned the thanksgiving and gratitude and, and King David, because in this week's parashat, Tzav, which we always read before Pesach, it talks about the thanksgiving offering. And also we know in the redemption that the thanksgiving offering is the only one, the only sacrifice that we're still going to do. So King David sings, I owe you vows and will offer you thanksgivings. So what we learn from that is the plural, because it's in plural, it's indicating that the prayers of gratitude and the Thanksgiving offering are like the two things that we're going to do it in the redemption still. And that's, you know, Beautiful. alluded to and yeah. written about in this week. Yeah, thank that. you never goes out of style. And, you know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> my, my wife heard this from a friend of hers that I, I really like, which is that it's never too late to do the right thing. And sometimes people like, are the recipient of someone else's kindness and for whatever reason just life got in the way and they never sent that thank you note that they wanted and or made that call and then they feel riddled by guilt like ah oh, now it's too late to thank them it's too much time has passed but it's not true it's not true too much time has never passed like I, I, it's never too late to do the right thing yeah i love in the talmud i was doing the podcast for this week so some of these things are jumping in my head but I love that line in the Talmud, just like the thought of Teshuvah can turn a sinner to a righteous person. Just that thought. It's like that one. And Rabbi Nachman, of course, always expounds on this one thing. And just how we see like the speck of the moon for the Rosh Chodesh, for the new moon, not the full moon, but the new moon. It's when it's at its most infinitesimal, not when it's the most, you know, grandiose. And it's like that, that's what we learned from that. It's just that one little thing that finding the Nikuda Tava, that one good point that can, you know, turn it into this huge thing. It, it, it puts you on from a path of looking at the bad or being involved in something that maybe makes you sad and puts you on the exact opposite path on a trajectory towards returning, towards bringing in more light, towards bringing in more goodness and existing in this space of, and, you know, you know this, like when you're learning, when you learn these spiritual teachings and when you're learning Torah, it literally gives you, it's or, Torah or, it gives you light. It gives you so much excitement. I was just talking to David Ben Yehuda, David Ben Yehuda, I learned with whenever, <laughs> if he has a break from work or he's not working, I'm like, okay, like hopefully work will keep coming, but that sounds amazing. I'm coming over, you know. We used to learn every day and I miss those days, but I was telling him, I was like, I'm still, you know, so happy and excited about life. And Baruch Hashem, like, thank God I'm, like, in a good space. But, like, I'm learning a little bit less the past little bit. And it's, like, I feel that missing that, you know, just when you're, when you're learning, you're, like, existing in inspo. Like, this thing's going on in your head and you're seeing this through life and you're sharing this with that person. And I don't know, so it's so important to have that, that daily study and just, like, keeping on that, you know, to be able to keep the, the light coming in, yeah. in a fresh and, way. You know, learning every day I think is so important. And even if you learn one line every day, you know, I have all these collections of books that are like um, compiled Torahs, and it's literally three lines. But these things, I always think of, like, when I was in high school, I learned about dwarf stars. And, like, one teaspoon of a dwarf star is, like, a billion pounds. And these, like, Hasidic teachings, like these Rebisha teachings, they're, they're like two lines. You can think about it all day. And the other thing is, is that if you can't learn you can long to learn. And that longing can be as or more precious than the learning itself, you know? So you can say, I'm not learning anything, but God, I wish I could be learning. And then that is like an explosion for the soul in a beautiful way. You know, <laughs> I, I heard from Rabbi Shlomo in the name of Rabbi Nachman that let's say you're sitting at a bus stop or waiting for the subway and you wish you had a chumash and or you could learn a little Torah, but you don't have a book with you. So 
Reb Shlomo said in the name of Rebbe Nachman that there's a Chumash below, a Torah below, and a Torah above. And when you don't have a Torah in your hand, but you desire to learn Torah, God teaches you from the Torah above. And I tell you that a lot of my biggest thoughts in Torah have happened in that context, where I didn't have a book in my hand, but I was like, oh, it would be so great to learn. And then I thought about something, and an enormous idea comes to me, you know? That's being taught from the Chumash above, the Torah above. It reminds me of when Jacob, when Yaakov was, you know, in the house of Levan, and it said that he held, that he kept all of Torah. And one way to look at it is like, but how could he hold all of Torah if he's surrounded by idols, you know? And it was like, no, this, he had to work so hard to not <laughs> learn Torah, that, yeah, which yeah. is as if he did all of Torah, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it, it's similar with the Baal Shem Tov. I think he was, you know, in a place where he couldn't think Torah even because, you know, there was that smell. There's a lot of Hasidic stories, a couple of different ones. And it was the same thing when he explained it. He's like, no, the fact that I had to work so hard yeah. not to think of it as like equivalent to all yeah. of it, you know? Talking about the light of Torah. So this is, I'm just going to read one little short poem. It's by Rav Cook, but... It starts this week's parashat. So hey, congratulations. congratulations. Three books in. Uh, but, <laughs> thanks. No, but I love this poem. This is a Rub Cook poem. I just, sometimes I'll open with song lyrics from, you know, a singer that is somehow intertwined into what I'm going through that week. This is a Rub Cook poem. Radiant is the world soul, full of splendor and beauty, full of life, of souls hidden, of treasures of the Holy Spirit, of fountains of strength, of greatness and beauty, Proudly I ascend toward the heights of the world soul that gives life to the universe. How majestic the vision. Come, enjoy, come, find peace. Embrace delight. Taste and see that God is good. Why spend your substance on what does not nourish and your labor on what cannot satisfy? Listen to me and you will enjoy what is good and find delight in what is truly precious. Beautiful. Yeah, rough cut. Unbelievable. Yeah, he's incredible. Can't get enough rough cut. <laughs> yeah, I... I I'm reminded also of your, I thought you were going to initially mention the fish story, but yeah, I don't know if you sure. can mention that I again with the water. I, I don't <laughs> want to say too much, but yeah. I so I once story. imagined a conversation between two fish and one fish, says to the other, one fish says to the other, do you believe in water? And the other fish goes, you know, I don't know if I believe in water. My grandfather was very religious. He believed in water. And so, like, what's the joke? There's nothing but water, you know? But you've got these two, like, incredibly philosophical, intellectual fish, right? You know, they're, like, stroking their, stroking their chins, you know? Like, wondering about water. And it's sort of like, that's us. This, this, we are the fish in water. I mean, like, basically, all that exists is God. We're, we're, we're engulfed in godliness. And there's this English expression, hiding in plain sight. You know, you can't see air, right? But it's all around you. And I, I was once having lunch with a friend of mine, and I asked him, where did you park your car? And he said, across the street. And I said, do you realize that you can't get to your car without swimming through godliness, right? So, so that's kind of, that's, that's us. <laughs> we're, we're completely engulfed, and, and, and that's the reality. And it's just, so many people don't, don't, don't know this next point, which is, Kind of, I'm just, just kind of repeating in a different way what I just said. But, but we believe, Jews believe, that God is as present in this dimension that we're in as he is in the highest heavens. He's equally here as he is in the highest heavens. He's just more concealed. So God is equally here. He's just more concealed, you know? So one of the big things that I think people 
should think about, because this is one of the big conclusions that we draw from all this, is that concealment is not abandonment. A lot of people feel like, because I can't see God right now, or maybe not in the literal sense, but maybe just see him in my life or whatever it is, that they then therefore draw the conclusion that they've been left behind or that they've been abandoned, God forbid, which is never the case, which is never the case, right? Like the fish in water were, were always completely engulfed. Yeah, it reminds me, I did, yeah. you know, Stephen Tabosky, I'm sure. <laughs> one, of the, one of the great classic actors. He's also in all these new shows. So he, he wrote, you know, you and him are on the back of my book with quotes, or maybe he's on the inside. No, he's also on the back. So it's two, you and him and two others are, you know, with uh, quotes for the, for the safer. But anyways, so we did a little um, spot with the accidental Talmudist, this little, it's called schnooks. <laughs> and it's just these little, we just had fun doing this little sort of comedic vignette. He's basically driving you know, we're, we're filming and he's frantically driving to a business meeting yeah. and he's freaking out because he's running late and you hear him, you know, he's on the phone, he's telling them, stall, 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 I'm going to make it like, you know, and then you hear him thinking he's like talking to God and he's basically like, give me a parking space now, I need to make this meeting, I, like I have to make this meeting, it's super important, like I'll do anything, I'll, I'll give 10% to charity, I'll call my mom, whatever, and then uh, somebody pulls their car out and he's like, oh, never mind, I got it. And he pulls yeah. into the space, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's exactly that. It's like, you know, God, the miracles, like, like Ruby Nachman says, is like blessings are coming down at all times. You know, it's, it's really just how do we perfect our vessel? How do we perfect ourselves to be able to like hold these blessings and to recognize the blessings? Cause they're always happening, but just like a broken vessel, if there's holes in it and water, like the Shefa, like the love, the light and the water and the blessings are coming down, but we can't hold them. So yeah, it's coming through, but we're not holding it. So we're kind of not aware of it. And we're not, you know, sort of taking it into to our life and our consciousness, our awareness. But if we're able to start bringing ourselves towards, it's like that, the thing that separates us is our bodies, right? And that, that separates us because it's the physical, it's the finite, but the soul actually unites us. So the more we're tapped into the body, the more we're, obsessed with the body and that sort of thing, then yeah, we're seeing separation from each other and we're seeing separation from the divine. But the more we're focused on tapping into our souls, then the more, not only can we unify more with the divine, but even ourselves and feel, feel more whole, unified and at peace. And then that's how we feel connected to everybody else because our soul is actually just one and connected. It's just the body that's constantly yeah, I, there, fighting. The, you know, you're you're reminding me of a teaching that I love so much from, from the Yesh Kodesh, the, the Rebbe of the Warsaw Ghetto. So he asked a question, and everyone should ask themselves this question because it's, a, it's an amazing one. Just in terms of your own personal relationship with your soul and your body, he says, is your, is your body a covering over your soul or is your body an extension of your soul? Like that's a very potent kind of like world-changing, life-changing kind of like realization. If you say, well, wait a second, right now my, my body is a covering over my soul, but do you mean that there's a, a version of how I could live my life where my body is an extension of my soul? You know, like because everything in the world pretty much has an inside and an outside. So we would say that your soul is your inside and your body is your outside. 
but do you mean I can turn my outside into more inside? <laughs> I can just be all inside? Like, whoa, yeah, yeah, that, I, that's what I want to be. Because then if that's the case, you are literally shooting your light directly into the world, right? Because as you said, the body can be this thing that, you know, masks the soul or in a very dark scenario, suffocates the soul, right? Or the body, if you, be, if you unite your body and your soul so that you're all soul and you're all out inside, right? Then your body becomes this projectile which like shines your light in like this massive beacon formation, right? Because you've transformed materiality into light. And so then the body actually becomes an agent that magnifies your light. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me, like a lot of the Likutei quote, like the teachings of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, like emphasize this point. You know, obviously, like the fact that it says it's plural and it's like your evil inclination and your good inclination, you're supposed to serve Hashem and connect to Hashem. But also, I don't know if this is verbatim, but the darkness isn't meant to be avoided. It's meant to be transformed. And it's like... The Lubavitcher of it, like on a lot of Torahs, like the mastering the Ratzova show, which is like written about in the Pardes and written about even with Korach and all the times where it's like, well, you know, if your whole house is a house of study, why do we need a mezuzah? And if your whole thing, if your, if your garment is blue and tchela, then why do we need to have that on the Tzitzit? But it's these things that are trying to separate or just tap into the soul in those times, a lot of like, especially the Alter Rebbe and the Lubavitcher Rebbe is like, it's emphasizing, no, like we, we have to always, use that physicality and never negate the physicality. And, you know, even if we're going to the highest levels as they do in the parties, it's like, yeah, so never, you have to come back, you know, like you have to master the coming back and bringing that physicality in the body and connecting it because we're in this world with that. So we can't leave that alone. And that's what you're saying. It's like connecting that to the inside. So like using it and, and connecting it so that it, it feels like it's one rather than... For sure. Left. Yeah, like, like, you know, one of the things that I've strived for in my life, and, you know, I'll probably be working on this till my last breath, is coherence. Like, so many of us who, you know, strive for a more spiritual kind of way of life or whatever it is, sort of like sentence ourselves to schizophrenia. That, I, that can mean actual schizophrenia, but I'm being a little more poetic with the use of that word, you know, meaning a, a, a divided, not coherent life is what I mean. Meaning to say that we, we, don't, we don't really experience life as one full unity and we don't experience our own identities as one full integrated unity. And so integration is, is, so, is so important. And, you know, that, that, that phrase that you used, for those people who didn't catch it, Ratzo Vishov, that's Hebrew, that's actually from Yechezkel, a.k.a. Ezekiel, and he's describing sort of how, like, the highest angels run to the highest light, and then right when they're about to be vaporized by the intensity of the light, they turn around and they run back. But then they long for the light, and then they turn around and they run toward the light, but then they don't want to be vaporized, so then they turn around and run back. And so that rhythm of going back and forth or up and down is, is kind of this rhythm that's sort of like embedded in creation itself. And it's called Ratzo Vishov, 
And when I first learned that, I was like, whoa, that's a really potent phrase, Ratsovishov. I'm going to sort of take the temperature of that on a numerical level. Like, what's the gematria of Ratsovishov? Because that <laughs> seems like a, an important one. And sure enough, it's 611. Do you know what word is 611? The word Torah, right? So that's, that's a pretty big gematria. In other words, what is the Torah going to teach you? How to master the highs and the lows, or how to integrate the inside and the outside, the soul and the body, or how to be coherent and integrated. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that, that, the, that concept is basically, it's just admitting that we're human and that we, the idea of mastering that, it's not, okay, master just the highest level and maintaining being at the most righteous and you're, there's no sin and you're just righteous and that's how you have to master it. It's like, you know, we want to become the Benoni, the in-betweener, because we know that all of life is trying to master the up and down and like the breaking of the first tablets, you know, because the second tablet that represents that we are human and, and it's because we were sinning, but we, we have that ability to return and to repent and the mastering the running and returning is recognizing and acknowledging that so that we don't get stuck in the down and it's mastering the, okay, down, but now we're going back up. And maybe that's going to last a long time, but also remembering that we have to master it because eventually there's going to be another down, but we can't let it take us. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of ups and downs, let me give you another perspective also. I was talking to someone who's like very spiritual and, you know, really like working on it, like really and sort of like was despondent over the fact that they reached certain levels and then they come back down. And they felt like there was some sort of flaw in their approach. But basically what I'm saying is this idea of Ratzovishov, the running and returning of the angels, this is weaved into creation. This is, this, this is the rhythm of our lives. So in other words, if you've achieved some sort of like, kind of like epic, kind of like spiritual moment, and then you've kind of come back down, whatever it is, you, you haven't done anything wrong. So then, so then what's the next step? Now that I'm back down, and here's really the point I want to make. Now that I'm back down, the idea is that light has come down with you. And now the idea is to bring that light from where you were and to integrate that into where you are right now right? It's not to stay at this crazy high level all the time. It's that when you go back down, that now you incorporate some of that light that you just experienced in your here and now in the present moment. And that way you're actually building up, right? Because now I'm not here anymore. I didn't fall to this level because I brought a little light with me. So now I'm at this level. And next time I go back up and I fall back down, I'm not going to be at this level because I brought down a little light with me, I'm going to be at that level. Because when it comes to real, genuine spiritual growth, it's, it's really, you got to, it's climbing a ladder. You can't skip steps. You can't skip steps. You know, one of the horror stories of spirituality that I heard one time, someone told me this, who was told by the people involved in the thing, it was two quote unquote, very spiritual people who crashed into a parked car. Okay, and then drove away saying, ah, materiality, 
It's like, okay, if someone crashes into your parked car, <laughs> you can go, ah, it's just the material world, I don't <laughs> care. But if you damage someone else's property, you don't have any right from the, and call that spirituality. That's just lies, man. That's lies. And so that's an example of skipping steps, right? If you're going rung by rung, you'll never say something like that. Because when you're going rung by rung, you're integrating the bigger concepts with the here and now of basic, basic manners and, 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 and the laws of society, the laws of the land. Yeah. So, Jirathar, it's Padma Torah. It's like learning all the ways that we need to behave as ethical beings as well and as more important or a primer for it. But, yeah, the yeah, foundational for sure. element. For sure. <laughs> so I feel like we, we need to do sure. this again. I think we could wrap here, but this was great. But okay, because of the technology thing, I just want to make sure we don't lose this because basically, so you're going to exit out, you're going to end it, but you're going to have to click share or else it's gone forever. So when you're done, just click share. You can write elevate every day with Eris Safar or something, and then I'll be able to download it. Okay, so I'm going to hit the X in the upper Instagram. corner there and then here. Yeah, and then after it'll, yeah, and then you're going to, you could write a little thing and you'll, You'll click share and then it'll take a little bit, but it'll awesome. share it to your Instagram okay, and then I'll see it. Thank you there. so much. Okay. Thanks so much. All right. <laughs> All right. See you soon.